0: turn in your bible please to John, james chapter 4 james chapter 4 thank you men james chapter 4 these talks on james have to be very very limited because we the most important business we have on Wednesday night is prayer we don't want to limit the time of prayer hi how are you friend he's my friend Wesley (laughs) all right thank you very much James chapter five uh, chapter four rather and there are five questions in James four and we'll just have time to mention the questions and maybe speak a little bit about each question the subject of James four is the perfect man and the separated life. The perfect man and the separated life. Remember that James is talking about man's relationship to man. How we look before other people. That's the reason he said faith without works is dead. Because the only way we can influence other people is by our works. That doesn't influence God. God looks on the heart. But in James, he's talking about how do we influence other people. And in these five chapters, he's spoken about the the perfect man and trials. The perfect man and service. The perfect man and his spirit, or his attitude. And in chapter 4, the perfect man and his separation, his separated life. And the fifth chapter talks about the perfect man and the second coming of Christ. Now when we we say perfect, we don't mean sinless. We're talking about mature. Do you want to be mature? You know, most kids can hardly wait that sometimes they put measurements on the wall and they measure themselves. And then a few months later, they stand there to see if they're any taller than they were a few months ago. And they keep measuring themselves. And then they weigh themselves. And most kids can hardly wait till they're 16 when they get their driver's license. Seems like that'll never come. And then when you get 16, you sort of think, well, I can hardly wait till I'm 18. And then when you're 18, you hardly wait till you're 21. And then you wish you're 16 again. Well, we want to grow into maturity and be the mature person that God wants us to be. And these five questions sort of measure our spiritual maturity. Number one, from where come wars and fightings among you? What a question, do you ever wonder that? Where do wars come from? Where do fightings come from? Where do fist fights come from? Where does all this anger come from? Well, look at the answer, come they not hear even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you have not because you ask not. You try to fight for it. You try to take matters in your own hand and get it yourself. You try to take care of yourself. Well, uh, there's a strong focus on that today. But I want to tell you, God wants us to let him take care of us. If we will let God take care of us, he knows how to do it. Now that never calls for laziness. God never blesses laziness. But how many of us have fretted and tossed and worried and everything else but prayed? There's a little song that says, why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, He'll, He is the way. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? Ye ask, verse three, and receive not because you ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts." Now here he gets into prayer life and he says, uh, he's dealing with where do fighting's come from and and, uh, wars and so on. He says, you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrong. You ask things that are selfish. You ask things that are to be consumed on your own lust. I believe God teaches in his word that we can ask in faith believing for a yes answer in the will of God. but well, we have to find out the will of God first. We don't have time to deal with that at length tonight, but some people believe that every time you pray, if somebody's very, very sick, that if you have enough faith, your prayer can heal that person. That's, that's what led to these praying lines and anointed handkerchiefs and knocking somebody in the head and somebody catching them and falling them down and all that kind of thing. They've misunderstood the scripture. That isn't what the scripture teaches. You ask and you have not because you want to consume it on your own lusts. Even sometimes when we pray for healing or we pray for good things, it is the wrong motive and the wrong purpose. And God knows all about it because he looks on the heart. And so we have to couch that in saying, Lord, what is your will? Not my will, but thine be done. And when we pray for the will of God to be done and ask God to show us his will about a certain matter, he'll show us. Then we'll ask for the faith to believe and to touch him in faith for this matter. And God gives that faith. That's the answer as to why some people are healed through prayer and other people are not healed. We have to find out the will of God. Let me ask you, is it always God's will for somebody to live? There's a divided opinion among Christians today. Some people think that God never, it's never God's will for anybody to die. Brother Buster and I were talking with a man one day uh, who was a, uh, of the persuasion that if you have enough faith, that anything you pray will be answered. So I asked him uh, how his mother was. Well, she, he said she died. I said, would she die of cancer? I said, well, didn't she have any faith? I didn't mean to be hard on him. He didn't know what to say. If it is true that everything we pray for in faith, God will give it, then nobody would ever die. That isn't, God's, that isn't what the Word of God teaches. Paul asked God three times for, to remove a, a, a thorn in the flesh. Do you not think God that Paul prayed in faith? I believe he did. God said, no, Paul, no, but I'll give you grace for this thing. And so he says, one of the reasons we don't get the answers to our prayer is because we pray wrongly. We cannot tell God what to do. We have to find out his will and his direction and then trust the Lord. Do you remember when Jesus told Peter he was gonna die? And Peter rebuked the Lord. He said, not so Lord, You, 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 you can't die. I won't let that happen. You know what Jesus said to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. We have to find out the will of God about a matter and then pray in faith, believing concerning that matter. Well, secondly, the second question. Well, I don't know whether we'll, we're not even going to get through tonight. I won't even give you the five questions. We don't have time. But let me get into verse 4 and 5. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the, right, the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, nothing could be clearer in the Bible than that statement. And yet, We as Christians deny it all the time. That says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Is there a difference in being a friend to the world and a friend of the world? Big, big difference. To be a friend to the world reaches out to them. We reach out to our friends who are lost, to our friends who have alcohol problems, to our friends who have drug problems. We reach out to our friends who have moral problems. We don't try to shun them, we reach out to them. But wait a minute, when we're their biggest chum, this scripture says, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, when you start running with those people and they become your best chums, and that's who you're with all the time. This scripture says that's an enemy of God. There's a difference in reaching out to people and loving them and trying to lift them and bring them to yourself. I won't mention his name, but one of the best friends I have in this city, uh, at least I'm a friend to him. I think he's my friend now. But we used to have funerals together, and every time we went on a funeral, I'd talk to him about Jesus. At that time, he didn't he didn't believe in the resurrection. He didn't know whether Jesus was God. He didn't know much spiritually, and I'd witness to him over and over and over again. He was I felt like I was his friend, and uh, we were friends. But I never went fishing with him. I never played golf with him. I never went to the clubs that he went to and all that. But when he got in the hospital, he called me. He had surgeries, he wanted me, sent word from me to let me know. He gave his heart to the Lord. He's an active member of a church now, not our church, but another church. I want to tell you, one of the biggest mistakes Christians make is at this point. We think we're strong enough to be a friend of the world. I'm not talking about being a friend to the world, but a friend of the world. The difference, there's a big difference. A friend of the world means that we buddy-buddy with them. We go with them and all kinds of things. We used to have a young man in our church that was constantly He loved the Lord, came to church regularly, but he was constantly with people who were getting in trouble. He was with them. (laughs) I talked to him about it. Well, he said, I'm their friend. I said, he said, I want to try to win them. Not one time did he bring any of them to church. And one night they all got in trouble and he was in trouble with them, though he didn't do anything with them at all. But he was with them. I mean, he didn't do he didn't do what they were doing, but he was with them. Years ago, we had a mission on, on, on Main Street called the Crossroads, called the Crossroads Rescue Mission. I had the funeral the other day of a dear lady whose family was saved through that rescue mission. And they reminded me of it. That's the reason they called me. I hadn't seen them for years. The, ki- the, the, the kids were little at that time. And they told me that one by one, they said, we got saved down at the crossroads. Do you remember the crossroads, they said? Our young people at that time ran that mission. And, and uh, Bill Flowers would say, there's more sin from the federal building used to be the post office down to the railroad than any place in Bowling Green. And that's where our rescue mission was. Those buildings are torn down now. Our young people went down there every Friday night and sometimes on Saturday night. And we would talk to the drunks And we would talk to the prostitutes. We would talk to the people that ran those stores along there. Our kids reached out to them. Many of them were saved. But our kids didn't become buddy-buddy with them. When we could, we'd bring them to church. Bring them out of the world. You don't get down in the gutter with somebody to win him to Christ. You might kneel there by him and lift him up, but you don't get down and waller in the mud and the muck of it all. And that's what this scripture is talking about. He, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, is the enemy of God. Now that's one of the problems we have with the present voting situation in Bowling Green. I could never vote for liquor. I'm not gonna vote for anybody that's voting for liquor. And I'd like to encourage you to find out who's for liquor and you vote for somebody else. There are two guys that are running that are gonna vote against liquor. And in my judgment, and I'm not being political, I'm just telling you, God's people called by God's name need to be the salt of the world and the, of the, and the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And if we lose our saltiness, we're good for nothing just because we want to be a jolly good fellow. Some of those dear men that are in our city commission, I love them. One of them is my cousin, I love him. I've told him that. I cannot understand how a dear man named that could vote that way. I would find out where they stand on these important issues and stand with them. You may not like my saying that. God bless you anyway. I love you. He that is whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. The world loves liquor. The world desecrates Sunday. And whosoever is a friend of that, God says is an enemy of God. Now, that doesn't mean he hates God. It means his behavior pattern, his attitude is against God. Same way on the national election. Anybody that would be in favor of taking a pair of scissors and taking a little baby out of a mother's womb and stick those scissors in that brain and then pulling the brain out to kill that little baby, I don't think they're a friend of God. So you and I, this is tough. You may not like it, you may not want to come back. God bless you anyway, I love you. I would rather preach the Word and stand on what the Word of God says than to have your friendship. They killed John the Baptist, they killed Jeremiah, they killed Jesus. You may not like me. I love you, but I want to tell you, I have to declare the whole Word of God. And if all the preachers in this city would stand up and tell the truth about these things, there'd be a different moral climate in our city. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this book of James is very practical. He's talking about our relationship to other people. Not, Not necessarily God, but to people. How God's people are to behave with other people. Let's do it. And that will bring a spirit of revival. Let's bow together in a moment of prayer. Thank you for letting me have a few extra minutes tonight. Our Father, we thank you for the excitement of the Word of God, how precious it is. We pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to every heart and help us to go on with God and to love you with all our minds and souls and strength and heart. And we pray that thou will start a spirit of of moral righteousness among us. Lord, we're all aware of our own failures. There's not one person here who could stand and say, I don't have any sin. Oh God, forgive our sins. Look into our hearts, bring to our memory and our mind those sins that we're guilty of, that we might confess them. But just because we have sin doesn't mean that we can't see the moral righteous path that the Lord has set out for us. And so let's pay attention to it. God, help us to do it. I pray that you'd send revival in our hearts, a spirit of new love for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing number 44. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah. Thine the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're not sure you're saved, would you come to Christ? Trust Him as your Savior. Invite Him to come into your heart. Let Him be your Savior. If you're already a Christian, is there some area where you've been chilled spiritually and you need to get closer to God? Would you do that? Page 44, revive us again. And that's the heart cry of this meeting tonight, revive us again.